Stuff. Mama, don't you let it fall. You could bake it, you could twist it, you could give it, you could grab it, you could load it, you could list it, you could bend it, you could nab it, you could mince it, you could chop it, you could send it, you could slide it, you can start it, you can stop it, you can zip it, you can hide it. My jelly, my roll. Sweet mama, don't you let it fall. My jelly. You found it. It's episode 204 of the Good Stuff Kids podcast. I'm your host, Mike Mason, and this is the show where we get to know the creators of certified and bona fide good stuff for kids and families. And today's show is a double whammy. Two favorites of the Good Stuff Kids podcast are back to talk about their brand new records. First up, that song that you just heard is called Buenos Dias, and it's by The Lucky Band. And of course, you can go back and hear my first conversation with Lucky Diaz. Just go to goodstuffpod.com, search for Lucky Diaz, and you'll find everything you need to know. And then that last very bluesy clip you heard is by our guy Randy Kaplan. The song is called Shake It, Don't Break It from his new album, Shake It, Don't Break It. And Randy and I talked again. We talked a lot about the blues and ragtime and delta blues and, and got to hear about what his inspiration was to create this brand new record. You should go back. I believe he was episode number 75. And of course, just go to Good Stuff Pod and search for Randy Kaplan. Goodstuffpod.com. Search for Randy Kaplan. Search for Lucky Diaz. You can hear so much more about their backstory and how they got to be doing the things that they're doing. And they're two of our favorites. And if you didn't know that they had brand new records out, now you do. And this is going to be a little longer. This episode is going to be a little longer because it's going to be conversation with Lucky Diaz, then his song, Buenos Diaz. Then it's going to be my conversation with Randy Kaplan, followed by his song, Shake It, Don't Break It. That is so much entertainment, so much for your ears, so much to listen to that we should get to it. Don't you think? Okay. Yes, we should. Thank you. Here is Lucky Diaz first, followed by his song, Buenos Diaz. Then Shake It, Don't Break It with Randy Kaplan, followed by his song, Shake It, Don't Break It. Talk to you at the end. Bye-bye. Good stuff. Let's party. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's, um, it's going to be totally the best to welcome back Lucky Diaz to the Good Stuff Kids podcast. Lucky, how you doing? Hey there. Great. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Nice. So we should, uh, we should say you and I talked for episode 85, which is over 100 episodes ago. Which is, yeah, isn't that crazy? Man, you have been working <laughs> really. Wow, that is a lot, man. That's a lot of. That's a lot of words. That's a that's, lot of podcasting. That's a lot of a lot of me talking and then having to listen to myself talk, but really um, loving listening to other people talk about why they do what they do and, and why they make what they make. Um, it's a struggle because I hate listening to my own voice. So I can, <laughs> yeah, I you, totally you know what I'm saying. Oh, man, every time I listen to this, I'm like, oh, great. There you go again. Sounding like you don't know what you're doing. Um, yeah. So – when we talked before, we talked a lot about um, sort of where you were coming from and, and your background, and, and we talked about uh, the record that you had just put out. But for this one, we're we're going to sort of stick to this new record of yours, which 
his uh, is that it's coming April fifth, so it's not even out yet. This is like the scoop, and it's called Buenos Dias, <laughs> and it's by the Lucky Band, and uh, I, I think there's a there's a different sort of sort of take uh, from this album. Like obviously, there's uh, we're gonna have to talk about tacos because yeah, exactly tacos. Like that's one of the things that you and I like to talk about, but. Um, <laughs> But it's actually interesting. Something that I read said that you you through this album were trying to capture, you know, family life, what life was like for you and your family. And it's amazing to hear in the background a little bit of what this family yeah. life is, <laughs> like what's happening. So so tell it's, us tell tell me a little bit. Wow. Well, um, yeah. I mean, we're always together. So our family are you know is uh, is completely a unit. You know, uh, everywhere we go around the world. So we're kind of um, inseparable and, and which is, you know, it has its benefits and its challenges. But um, I think, you know, for a long time, we didn't put anything out for a couple of years. And um, it was like really tough to kind of, I was feeling a little bit, un, you know, overwhelmed by the fact, you know, we had so much happening and we had, you know, an, another, a new daughter, which was a awesome blessing, but also that, you know, being a parent, I'm sure you know that, uh, yeah, it takes a lot to do almost to even live our daily existence. It's so challenging, you know, right. Cause you like mm-hmm. have, you know, uh, you, you have to keep a household together and you're educating your kids and, you know, like the whole gamut. So I think these songs just came out of, I know these songs came out of, simply just fitting them in when just to have an inspired life right so like playtime or whatever just making up stuff that i thought indiana would really love to to hear and if she liked it like great and then you know if she didn't then i don't know i would just doodle on something else like <laughs> we just move on but but i mean yeah i mean it, it's about our life and our life in koreatown in los angeles and what that's like and finding out my dad lived and was raised in koreatown for a long time which i didn't even know you know and uh we got a place in k-town and you know, my dad's like, oh, yeah, I went to uh, high school, middle school, like two blocks from where you live. And I'm like, what? What are you saying? What? What are you what are you saying? He's like, yeah, so it's a uh, Brando High School right down the street. And I'm like, uh, he's like, I'm telling you, I'm like, and literally I drove like, you know, three blocks. I'm like, whoa, my dad went to school here. I took a photo of it and I texted it to him. And he's like, yep, that's where I went to school. And I'm wow. like, why didn't I know this about you? You know, so. Yeah. But it's when he was really a young, you know, you know, a young kid and he was living his Los Angeles existence. Um, so yeah, that was really inspiring to me to have our family in the same space that my, that my dad had, you know, grown up in, in, you know, a place that I always have felt like a foreigner, but you know, now feel like it's my home. So it was really great, man. It was really awesome. Totally. So you had, you, had you just, so where were you before you were in Koreatown? Were you, still... um, you know, we, we were in South Pass. I mean, we've lived in lots of parts of Los Angeles. We lived in Los Angeles for, 10 years mm-hmm. and then we moved to south pass and um we were there for a little while i guess we were about eight years in los Feliz, give or take and then we moved to south pass and that was great and then we were on the road so much that we just really weren't here and then we just felt it was just time for a change um and so that's why we ended up in k-town and mm-hmm. it's a really cool neighborhood and it's really changing rapidly and yeah i think the city of la is you know is changing really quickly so that's had another you know, we, you know, we have a place in the Midwest that we call home sometimes. So mm-hmm. we're just kind of always, we can't stop. We always have to keep moving, I guess, you know, yeah, I guess yeah. it's, it's not for everybody, but it's definitely our thing. So, um, 
yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah, you all are on on the on the road, and and you're getting ready to go out again now, sort of yeah. as we speak, right? Like that's yeah, what. Like, yeah, we're that, packing up our road cases to leave again. Yeah. So where are you headed for this one? You know, we're going to um, the Bay Area. You know, San Jose, East East Bay, like um, I guess it's I guess we'd call it the South Bay, but uh, San Jose, Santa Clara, you know, San mm-hmm. Francisco area, which I also have really deep roots in, as you know. So. Mm-hmm. Um, that'll be a lot of fun. You know, we have like a few dates up there and, you know, we'll do those and, um, and then we'll come back and we'll get ready to go to Asia again in a few weeks. And Mm -hmm. that's exciting and weird. And, you know, believe it or not, there are tacos in China. No, I don't. Yeah, dude, I don't know. (laughs) I can't speak to the, I can't speak to the validity of the taco there. I I definitely have seen signs for the availability of tacos, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, look, tacos are something that are near and dear to both of our hearts. Yes, of course. Sort of on that note, as you said that you relocated, we relocated to Houston, which is like apparently. Oh, my goodness. Oh, whoa. Oh, hey. Oh, man. There's, oh, Houston's awesome. There's a, (laughs) there's a queso place. Oh, God. What's the name of that area? It's kind of, um, is it it's we when we we were just there oh i'm gonna have to pull this up oh yeah pull this up pull this up and you're gonna be like yeah i knew that place oh maybe or maybe not because i we don't get out much but anyway yeah uh, yeah, right so like you know i appreciate the uh the idea that this new record is centered around the energy that happens in the home and that is is uh can be sort of chaotic energy but can also be really really good energy so you know we have three kids and there is always lots and lots and lots of energy coming along (laughs) so so i think that like what i would love to hear you know there's some food specific songs right there's the nacho song and pan dulce and 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 taco tuesday which i want to hear about but i also want to hear your take on a a few of the other ones as well so why don't we start with uh let's start with the nacho song you have our buddies andrew and polly on there and where did that song come from you know andrew and polly are awesome uh really dear to my heart very dear friends, um, co-collaborators always, uh, you know, we were working, I guess we're still kind of working on this food concept album. We were, we really were kind of, um, there's been so much happening in the world. So we've, I think we've all been kind of distracted and I, we had started working on a food concept record, um, and wrote like a bunch of songs. I mean, we must have like 10 or 11 songs that we have that are kind of put away that I hope we get to finish. And, uh, and I had this, this nacho, as the, 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 I had this nacho chorus, like, na, 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 nacho cheese. And I was like, man, I had this great chorus, but I didn't have much of anything else, you know, and I was really struggling with it. So I got back to LA and I, you know, we had one of our writing sessions. I'm like, Hey, I got this thing, but like everything else, like, you know, t- it's like not that good. And, and, uh, you know, they're such great writers and they're like, yeah, well, let's write about like the guy, let's write about nacho and i'm like yeah all right cool and paulie's like really great she pulls out her computer said well his name is ignacio and like we knew that nachos were an invention by this guy named nacho which was really funny and then but she was so great at extracting the story and she's like oh yeah cool let's just write it about the moment nachos were created and this epic this epic moment right because we all nachos are just this gift we all have like iphones or something we don't <laughs> i mean we don't really know what life was like before oh i mean I we can't do imagine. but we don't right, right but we can't imagine life without nachos I mean, right, let's be honest, you just walk yeah. into a restaurant and you're like man i just feel like having some nachos i mean think about this <laughs> like some people we don't consider the fact what life was like without pizza 
hamburgers, tacos, or nachos. Oh my I mean, gosh. amongst other amongst other things. Yeah, right? totally. Like, you're like, oh, just have them. Like, we're so spoiled, you know. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I, I was reading. I think I heard or read somewhere that, like, you know, when Mount Vesuvius, uh, like, exploded, you know, erupted, like the Italians of the time didn't didn't have weren't rooted in any tomatoes because a tomato is a new world that's fruit right so they uh-huh. didn't have those things but it isn't like red sauce or tomatoes ubiquitous with italian food but consider like they never knew what pizza was really at all right uh-huh. I, I mean that we know it now and so i'm thinking man like we're like them we you know like look at all these amazing gifts we're provided like nachos <laughs> but uh i know i'm getting off on a tangent no but this is important this is del- important they're, they're delicious so, you know our kids don't know what it's like to like not have like every cartoon available to them at any moment at any time right, right? like right. cartoons on saturday mornings i'm sure you would know man that was like the time that like you know richie rich or any of these cartoons were on like you know uh you know the uh like batman or any, any like superhero card any cartoon that you wanted to watch was available on saturdays mm-hmm. for a very limited time right you might get one episode of speed racer or something but now man like if you want Whatever you, you, all. Just, you got, right. yeah. these, these kids don't even know how good they got it. They don't I even mean, know. They don't even I mean, know they got, life without they got not, it. They got nachos and they got cartoons. <laughs> I mean, come on. What else? Honestly, what else do you need? Um, not much. Well, I mean, like, yeah, so. maybe, maybe some like salad, I guess, if you're healthy, but that's <laughs> yeah, not for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, um, that's not for me. I don't know. Yeah. So, so tell me about the song Zapatitos. Oh, cool. Yeah, well, that's another thing. So I think, you know, when I talked, I was kind of struggling with writing some stuff and I talked to my mom and I think generally where I'm coming from personally, artistically, is like I want to I want to reintroduce. I, I love I the anthropology of children's music, especially Latin children's music. So for me, I like to dig up really old songs, like traditional songs sometimes and repurpose them and reinvent them and to make and let them resurface somehow. And so that's I do. I have like books and books of children's Spanish songs. So I just kind of go through and I'm like, Oh, that's kind of cool. Let me, let me try to repurpose that. And that's one of those songs. Um, that's just an old nursery rhyme. And I'm like, yeah, let's just like, I'll just make it into something new. I feel like it's kind of part of my wheelhouse, you know, part of my mm-hmm. thing is to cool. kind of reintroduce that. And then, you know, I, it happens often. Like I was, where were we? I don't know, Chicago or somewhere. And some parent came up and they were like about my age and they had a, you know, a young child and and the the guy, the dad was like, hey, man, yeah, you know, oh, so, so this is still the song from like Adelante from an album like, you know, years ago. And he was like, oh, dude, my mom used to sing me that song every night. And when I heard it, he's, it's, it's like the same song. Right. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, I, and he told us, I was like, I told you that's the song. And I feel like in a way I get to re reintroduce songs that may have been that may have been forgotten somehow, you know, I mean, yeah. and they're not I'm not I'm trying to pay homage to the song by reinventing it you know i'm not trying to to disrespect the song in any way which is is um tough but i also just kind of want to reintroduce it to a new audience right and uh and sometimes those songs i don't think the original was what oh i think that um at least it's in the it's in existence right and it doesn't get forgotten totally so i feel some kind of um I don't know, gratitude for being able to be part of that experience. And yeah, I don't it's, know. It's, yeah, so it's, that's, it's that's, a chain, that's, right? That's one of those. It's a chain. It's, it's connecting it what you're doing with what's important to you. Um, so tell me a little bit about El Sol Te Siga. So there's this band called the greatest band of all time, probably. <laughs> no, that's the Beatles. But I mean, this band does come, this does, this band comes close. They're, they were a band called Pianosaurus 
and they were a band from New York um, in the 80s and a very obscure band. They had one album and I guess this mysterious second album that burned in a fire. And when I was like in high school, I remember getting like, I don't know if it was like a cassette tape. It was one of those cassette tapes that somebody had put like 30, 20 or 30 songs on that like a friend from a friend from a friend passed it on, you Uh know, those kinds of tapes. And I had this tape and this song, The Sun Will Follow, was on this tape. And I'm like, who is this band? And I never really knew who it was. And then, I don't know, maybe in the 2000s or something or like the, you know, the advent of the internet like availability, like I finally like figured it out. And uh, it's this band called Pianosaurus, and they had this song, so uh, the song "Follow." And so I decided to like cover. I was talking to Bill Childs in Texas, and we were, he was also kind of a Pianosaurus nerd, and <laughs> and and I think he was the one that was like, "Hey, you should you should do a Pianosaurus song in Spanish." And I was like, "What? Oh, but I forgot to mention the most important part of Pianosaurus. They played all their songs on toy instruments." <laughs> All of them. Wow. They recorded their songs on toy instruments. They played their songs live on toy instruments. They did it all on toy instruments. And the Pianosaurus is actually a toy piano shaped like a dinosaur called a Pianosaurus. And that's where the name derived from. And I'm so dedicated to this cause that I actually found an original Pianosaurus on eBay. So our daughter can have one. They're super rare. I managed to find one. I was really excited. I was like waiting and like in this dodgy supermarket parking lot on the west side. Like I bought it on, <laughs> I bought it on eBay and I was like, hey, can I meet you to pick this thing up? And I'm literally like waiting. I was kind of like a moment from like Breaking Bad or something. Right? I'm like waiting in a parking lot <laughs> like at 10 o'clock at night. You know, like I got like $60. I mean, it was not cheap, right? Like right. for a piece of plastic, it's like a toy. I mean, it's not right. like a lot of money, but I'm like sitting there in our black suv in a parking lot waiting for someone to show up and like you know this this gal pulls up with i think her boyfriend or husband some young girl and she was like uh you buy you buy the pianosaurus and i was like yeah i'm here for the pianosaurus like you got the stuff i'm like yeah you got yeah you got the stuff yeah yeah you got the stuff yeah and i'm like where did you get this pianosaurus it's really rare she's like i know my it was like my sisters and we'd like pass it down through our family and i was like oh great She's like, what are you doing with it? I mean, look at this. I'm a grown man in a black truck in a parking lot waiting to buy a toy piano that's pink, by the way, oh, shaped like a dinosaur. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's, well, it's for my daughter and and me, I guess. I mean, never mind. <laughs> Here's the money. Here's the money. That's, that's, not your, that's not your concern. Don't, yeah, don't, don't worry, worry about, about it. That. I'm like, I'm um, yeah. Wow, it's amazing. All right, so there, one thing that uh, we know about you, Lucky, is that you – you go all in. You really go yeah, all true. in, and I think that uh, there's a there's a new look for you, and uh, in a couple ways for you and the band. A, um, when you're out on the road and touring, you're you're not being referred to as Lucky Diaz in the Family Jam band, but now you're called the Lucky Band. And right. uh, I saw some photos of like a kind of a a hip new look for you all. So so what's going on with the the band name and, and the look and and i hear zippers zipping so packing is happening so oh, yeah, sorry. yeah no it's all good uh, yeah. this is real life like this, <laughs> this is, is the real. life of lucky is, diaz we are in it deep we are we are packing up um yeah we have a new look it was this time you know um so we've been touring in asia for the last few years and there they call us the lucky family band and we were I don't know for a long time really struggled i'm really kind of i'm really an introvert i don't i don't i never particularly liked having my last name and the band name and i don't have i really don't know how that really came about other than the fact that when we started the band 
it was just kind of like the family jam band, but it couldn't be just the family jam band because I think I remember it was just like it was a little bit too generic, you know, and I think there might have been other family jam bands out there. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, well, it's like it is and the family jam band. And I think and I've been wanting to do it for a while. And I talked to Alicia and she's like, yeah, I mean, it's tough because sometimes we do a lot of duo shows, just the two of us. And like it's like like it is and Alicia, the family jam band, <laughs> you know, it's just it's like two of us. It's, it's like really odd. Uh-huh. It's awkward. And then Alicia awkwardly kind of stands there and is like, hey, okay, everybody. So well, I thought it was just better for it to just to cut the name out and just cool. it just looks better. It feels better. And I don't know. We're always trying to reinvent our look. I'm sure you've seen our photography and our mm-hmm. uh, the mm-hmm. styles. Every time we put out a record, we try to, you know, it's just fun to make art. So we we include that as part of the process of creating things because I think for us, I always want people to be able to hear us when they see us. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, yeah, this this is going to be interesting. This is going to be cool. Yeah. And I like this. So that and I'm obsessed with like 60s cartoons. So like the Jetsons were a real inspiration. And mm-hmm. like, you know, I don't know, man. I mean, you know how much I love, you know, Pee Wee Herman and, oh, you know, yeah. camp and all that stuff. And we've talked about that before. And so for yeah. me, it's like just something that I really and Alicia and I both share, and yeah. I don't know who doesn't like to dress up sometimes, right? Yeah, totally. So, so let's talk Pee Wee Herman for a second. Um, yeah, of course, we can always talk Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> always. So, I, I, so I, I am not up on my on my um, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. So maybe you can help me out with this. I sure, was, sure. we were, so we moved to Houston, right? And we were just in San Antonio, so we went to the oh, Alamo, the basement. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, like, what was the deal with Pee Wee and the Alamo? Can you like sum that up? So I just like jog my memory about that. Do you remember? Okay. So, okay. Yeah. Of course. So I mean, I'm I about mean, to nerd out. Course. So I apologize ahead of time about how excited <laughs> the, I am. This is this, this is for you and me, bud. This is okay, this is just this for is us. A, you can cut this out later. <laughs> no so way. So basically, well, if you remember the premise of Pee Wee's uh, Big Adventure, Pee Wee's bicycle gets stolen by yeah. Francis, his nemesis. Right. Right. Now he goes to a soothsayer by psychic lady, who then who's he's expecting her to tell him where his bicycle is but she doesn't she obviously is a fraud Mm -hmm. but then tells him somehow she looks at a picture of the alamo in a postcard and says that his bicycle is in the basement of the alamo Mm -hmm. and so he sets out for a quest to go to san antonio to go to the basement of the alamo but the thing is that there's no basement in the alamo so poor peewee goes through the entire tour and then asks where the basement of the alamo is (laughs) He's like, when do we get to the basement? Right? I don't think he even makes it to the whole tour. I think he's in the tour for like maybe 10 minutes or something. He's like, excuse me, excuse me. Uh, can we get to the basement Elmo? And the lady's like, oh. And everyone starts laughing at him and he kind of has this breakdown and he passes out. Oh, but I think he passed out a few times in that movie. But yeah, so that's the thing. So every time you go to the Alamo, at least when I go to the Alamo, we're like, oh, we're going to go to the basement of the Alamo, <laughs> which obviously doesn't exist. It would be funny if there was some kind of cellar, though, right? I yeah, sure. Maybe there is. There, sh- maybe. there should be a root cellar there. I don't know. Like, I, I don't really know. Good. But yeah, yeah, San Antonio is a great town. My parents actually live there. So, oh, um, cool. Yeah. Great. Uh, but yeah. But anyway. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thanks for clarifying. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, it's so funny. Like, I was at the Alamo. I was in San Antonio, this, the site of like all this historic stuff. And the only two things I was thinking about were A, why was Pee Wee there? Like, why? Like, I need to know. And then B, like, that, uh, do you remember that Davy Crockett movie? Like, that old, old, old school Davy Crockett. Davy Crockett. Yeah. yeah I remember. Like, yep. all I was, I was just like singing that song and like thinking about Pee Wee. And like, it could, <laughs> I could have been anywhere in the world, yet I was at the Alamo, not really caring about the Alamo, just caring about Davy Crockett. <laughs> <laughs> right you um, should have your your 
raccoon hat or something. Yeah, like right, that. right. Totally. And I'm sure that there's, I'm sure you have listeners that are more peewee fanatics than I am and are uh-huh. going to correct me on that story. So I apologize ahead of time if it's not really perfect, but I, uh-huh. I'm pretty much, pretty I much sure that's what's challenge. I challenge anyone listening to this episode. If you think you know more peewee than like, <laughs> dude, we're going to have a peewee off and we're going to oh, tape yeah. it and put it out. I, 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 hey, I'm, I'm down to have a whole. <laughs> symposium on peewee herman and every single peewee movie that's been oh man awesome well so 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 as you can hear uh lucky diaz has a lot of knowledge in a lot of different areas makes incredible music the new record is out april 5th it's called buenos diaz you're uh, i think you're on the way out the door to hit the road um and i just wanted to 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 ask how do we find you and keep up with you and follow you what are the best ways to do that before we let Um, you go yeah, on Instagram, the Lucky Band um, underscore, or you know, we still have a Lucky Diaz on the Family Jam Band on Facebook and uh, our website, Lucky Diaz Music, or the Lucky Band, and and you know, yeah. So I mean, I think you can, yeah, find us any 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 sort of ways. Um, uh, I the place that we went to in Houston is called Ninfas. Oh yeah, one? yeah, that's like the that's legendary. That's where yeah. like the fajita started. Awesome. Yeah. There's only one original Nimpas, and that yeah. this is it. That's that's what I'm looking at the photo of. Yeah, yeah. No, it's. I literally just walked in. She's like, "That soul food restaurant." I'm like, "No, we're we're totally in different <laughs> islands." She's like, "Soul food." I guess it's my soul food. Yeah, yeah. totally. It's it's, it's, it's soul uh, food for mine. She's yeah. actually no, it's my, it's, yeah. No, that place is great. I guess. Yeah. I yeah, totally. Was great. yeah. Cool. All right. Well, next time you're in Houston, we're hanging out. Um, oh, hey, for sure. All right. Well, thank you so much, and. Um, it was great talking to you again. The new record's amazing, and we Thanks, will talk man. soon. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. All right. Talk soon. Bye-bye. Bye. And now, here's Buenos Dias by The Lucky Band.
Well, it's it's already the best to welcome back. I would say officially, my friend, uh, Randy Kaplan. Randy, welcome back to the Good Stuff Kids podcast. How are you? Good, Mike. How you doing? Good to be here. I'm doing well. It's uh, it's been a little bit. Um, we uh, we last talked back on episode seventy five, and I actually just uh, posted episode one hundred ninety five today. So uh, wow, just a little bit of time has passed, and um, it's great to talk to you again, as we established sort of thoroughly uh, the last time. My family, uh, you're you're our, you're our favorite. We call you our guy. Uh, we love everything <laughs> that you do. And uh, last time we talked was, for the record, tripping around the mitten, which was an an ode to your state of of Michigan. And, yeah. and there's a new record that actually comes out in a couple days from today. Uh, today's May seventh. It comes out May tenth. What's this new record? Um, it's it's called Shake It and Break It, which is based on it's the title track, and it's uh a charlie Patton tune he's one of the kings of the delta blues they call him and um i it's this this record's kind of a part two of mr diddy wad diddy my record that was put out in 2012 by uh, my kazoo music and universal music so that that record was like a full-on full band 20-page booklet you know uh randyized songs of uh, pre-world war ii blues songs so i took them parody the lyrics you know not in a, not always in a you know, sometimes in a funny way, but more with, to make the songs appropriate for children because some of these old blues songs uh, have kind of double entendres and are not fully family ready. So I made them family ready and put it out. And now years later, I made part two, which is a stripped down version. I'm releasing it independently through my own record company. And um, it's all it's, a, it's different songs. Uh, some of my favorite guys I revisit, like Robert Johnson and Blind Blake and Blind Boy Fuller, but I add a bunch of others to the repertoire, like Mississippi John Hurt and Skip James and John Lee Hooker, which is a guy, a big Detroit blues guy. Um, he moved here from Mississippi back in the day in the 40s, and so I do one of his songs and many others too. Um, revisit Mance Lipscomb, one of my favorite blues, country blues guys from Texas, and uh, Hambone Willie Newburn goes on and on. So it's a, it's just it, at first I thought record was going to be called six strings 12 yarns you know it's just going to be 12 so- song stories story songs and just me and the acoustic guitar but i wound up uh having mike my producer and good friend play some slide guitar and banjo and mandolin and and uh, and we put some sound effects in there but it's still a very no rhythm sections a very stripped down feel acoustic the guitar playing is featured and it's all my you know 
changed versions of these blues and country blues and ragtime classics that probably most people have never heard before. And the blues aficionados know well and will recognize all the songs. Yeah, so I think you know there's a lot in there that I that I want to um, that I want to get into because I think that we have a lot to learn from you in terms of appreciation of of the blues in general, Delta blues in specific, and you mentioned ragtime as well. Um, so if you had to define, and I guess you do have to, because I'm about to ask you to, <laughs> right, and it would right. it wouldn't be very I good. Uh, it wouldn't be a very good podcast if I uh, if I asked you to do stuff, and I guess it didn't happen. But um, like, what right. is the Delta Blues? Is there a particular region where where it's that's known for producing the Delta Blues? I, I think I know the answer, but I'd love yeah. to hear it from you. Yeah, the the, the Mississippi Delta is the area, uh, as far as I know and understand it, around the Mississippi River. That was prime farming ground for uh, the for southern, you know, um, during slavery times of slavery before the Civil War, when slavery was uh, in full swing, regrettably in this country, the the music of West Africa, the the griots who sung sung these um, work songs that uh, were were enslaved and brought here to work, and that's where the main cotton industry and all these other Industries were that were driven by slave labor, and the the culture changed. The the griots and and the people that would sing these African songs it, it morphed into what we then discover the roots of uh, we 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 now define as the roots of blues music, which are these work songs. You know, you could picture it. It's been it's been dramatized many times, like these guys in a chain gang who are in prison. Even like this is even after the Civil War, like working on you know, and they're they're singing like these work songs. Well, before the Civil War, and the the, the slaves would be forced to to um, be uh, work in the fields and they would sing to be in rhythm. Some some tasks required more muscle than one person could have. So to get in rhythm muscle wise, they would they would sing and and <clears throat> coordinate that way, which is not a new thing. You know, in the old days, uh, sailboats and the whaling industry, there's all these sailing and whaling songs where the crew members would sing in unison to haul on the bowline and stuff like that. So in a way, that that kind of became at least partially you know no, no one there's still a mythology that surrounds this stuff that we can never know for sure but there's certainly been so many books written about it but anyway in mississippi the delta is where this stuff originated now um the that stuff turned into blues and it was based on on um a mixture of like this as far as i understand this west african music and uh that with a and a combination of um North American, you know, new influences here. Uh, but it basically grew out of work songs. And Delta Blues music is, it, it became, it, it, the connotation of Delta Blues is like Charlie Patton and Robert Johnson, guys from the Deep South that has a rough hewn edge to it. You know, it's, uh, mm -hmm. they're edgy, you know, and, and even in the, in the early 20th century, uh, Delta Blue, which is really when we can really start tracing music, like in the 19 teens, even in 20s, when we first start getting recordings. You know, we have, everything before that is pretty much guesswork. You know, this stuff wasn't notated like uh, classical music is, concert music. It was, it's all, you know, people doing research. But when we start getting recordings of it, then we could start doing what we humans love to do, which is taxonomy. We start categorizing things and saying, oh, this is Delta Blues. This is more Piedmont blues, which is Georgia and North Carolina. Oh, this is country blues, which is something like, you know, like, this is Texas blues. This, you know, so there's all these different categories mm -hmm. 
And of course, the best thing about categories is when you get a gray area and you can't quite, you can't quite fit into your scheme. And that's what some of these guys do. Like, so Delta Blues, you think of Charlie Patton, who's a very gruff, you know, and uh, singer. And it's like all hard work song, it feels like. But then you get a guy named like Mississippi John Hurt is technically a Delta Blues musician, but he sounds more like a ragtime Piedmont East Coast blues, soft, gentle finger picker. So there are anomalies in all these categories. But uh, the Delta Blues is basically that that first recorded kind of rough blues that, that you uh, picture, you know, like when you hear Charlie Patton and some slide guitar and Robert Johnson's way of playing. Mm-hmm. And of course, that is, uh, I'm not a musicologist or an ethnomusicologist, but that's my take on it from reading and researching and playing the blues for all mm-hmm. these years. So. I mean, I, I'm the, of all the people that you said, I'm most familiar with Mississippi John Hurt. And I, I think that what you said, like, makes a lot of sense. You know, he, he, um, there, there's a specific style, and I think without getting super, you know, going down a path that I think you and I would love to go down, which is like this like <laughs> right. super music nerdy kind of way, but he plays in a different way. And I think that that's part of the Delta Blues style, which is like both rhythmic and melodic at the same time. Um, yeah. And, yeah, that's fair. He, he, yeah. And, um, and, and yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, he, he, so he has you're saying those things are what you think of as Delta blues. That's what I think of as Delta blues. And that's only because I'm most familiar with uh, Mississippi John. Yeah. Now see, that's, see, that's it. And it's interesting because that's where our categories kind of become, uh, you know, chaotic and and mixed up because Mississippi John Hurt has got Mississippi in his name. And that's what Delta blues music is associated with. And he was recording in the twenties. And then of course he had his whole revival in the sixties and, when when the new folk you know renaissance happened in new york city and they found him on his farm in avalon mississippi and came out of retirement and enjoyed a glory decade you know traveling around and playing but he his sound is atypical of delta blues he's playing like a a finger a double bass on his finger and it's like very syncopated and ragtimey and very complex guitar picking which is more common in north carolina and georgia and that that's called East Coast or Piedmont blues. You know, you get and ragtime even, which is Blind Blake is like the king of ragtime guitar, and 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 Blind Boy Fuller from North Carolina. You know, real Delta. You think of Charlie Patton and Robert Johnson. They're not doing ragtime so much. They're doing a different thing. The thumb is like belting out and pushing pushing out a rhythm that's not alternating between strings. It's more. It's gruffer and more raw, although Robert Johnson can play guitar as good as anyone ever. But it's a different thing. So Mississippi John Hurd is not really the typical Delta Blues guy. I'd say Charlie Patton is. Charlie Patton. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So so for all of us and myself mainly, who is going to go do some research <laughs> after learning yeah. from you, Randy, I'm going to go check out some, <laughs> some Charlie Patton. And, and I think that it's interesting, right. right? So there's like a line that goes from – this idea of Delta blues, like directly through to a band like Led Zeppelin and then directly through to any number of bands that are playing today. And I think that that is Robert Johnson who, you know, there's, there's a lot of mythology around him. Um, Totally. But but he, he is, you know, he is one of, if not the most, and this is a major, this is a hot take. (laughs) He is one of, one of, if not the most influential guitar players of all time. Certainly he, and, and the mythology is amazing because in the, in the fifties when Harry Smith put together his anthology of American music and it started circulating in the village in New York city and 
like people like Bob Dylan got their hands in it. Like he, he, they were, their mind was just open up, opened up like Bob Dylan. I became a huge Bob Dylan fanatic before I discovered what Bob Dylan's influences were. Then when I went back and found who Bob Dylan's influences were, which are this Harry Smith anthology and other blues and country guys, you pick out stuff from those older songs going, oh, yeah, that's what Bob Dylan did in that song. Some of them are like black melody or phrase snatches of lyrics, you know, snippets of lyrics, which are fine. It's folk music as a tradition is building and standing on people's shoulders. But yet there's that ambiguity there, too, where people accuse people of, uh, per, of uh, you know, t- stealing and plagiarizing. But it's not stealing. It's it's basically emulating. But mm-hmm. that's, you know, this is a great topic because what you mentioned, you were mentioning the British rock bands like Led Zeppelin and Eric Clapton and Cream and all those guys and even the Rolling Stones like in the 60s when they when those guys got their hands in it they they were they idolized these American bluesmen that were still much more much more of a mythology and mystery surrounding them than they are than they have now because now we've done so extensive research and we've uncovered every Robert Johnson recording ever and Mm -hmm. seen both photos of him that exist and even a a rumored third photograph of him that is under, it's contentious whether it's authentic <laughs> or not. You know, Blind Blake, there's only one photo of. He's much more, there's much more weirdness surrounding Blind Blake. No one, there's a dispute as to what his real name is and there's only one photo. People don't know whether he's from the Georgia Sea Islands or Florida, you know, or it's amazing. <laughs> but these guys were just way, way more mysterious. People, when they first heard Mississippi John Hurt, they had no idea if he ever, if that was his real name or if he was alive, you know, years later when they tracked him down and they rediscovered his old catalog. But still, these guys, as you say, have a total mythology surrounding them. And the British guys, the rockers that got their hands in them, basically led Zep, Robert Plant and Jimmy Page will say, we're just ripping off Robert Johnson and blues guys and mm-hmm. making it electric and adding guitar solos, you know. And and that was, an, that was a bone of contention, too, because a lot of people said, oh, they're stealing. But that's really the history of music is mm-hmm. you're, you're building upon. It. Of course, nowadays with intellectual, you know, copyright law and intellectual property, that wasn't really a thing in the old, old days. You know, it was more right. of a, a tradition that you everyone contributes to. But yeah. now it's more organized. A <laughs> little more. Yeah, it's like the, the beauty of a cover song is sort of has sort of changed um you know yeah. it's it's a little more uh a little more involved so i think that what yeah. one, one thing you know you are you're a teacher by trade that's what you do right you're you're two things i mean you're many things right but yeah. like you are a musician <laughs> and you're a teacher and and so much of of your passion for what you're doing here and your respect for this this music really like just comes through in the amount that you know you're not just doing this because yeah. you're like oh i think like a, a you know a, a blues version you know a randyized for lack of a better word you know version of some of these right. blues songs could be cool and i'm just gonna go pick but like it comes across definitely that you really have like studied this and loved it and lived it and learned it yeah um <laughs> so so tell me a little bit about you know maybe pick like two or three songs, you know, and I, and I want to hear about shake it and break it most definitely, but maybe one or two others. And just tell me about, um, what draws you to the original song and then how you put your personal yeah. spin on it. All right. Now it's weird. Cause what's this suburban Long Island kid doing as a attracted to the blues, you know, and when I was growing up, I was just a top 40 pop guy. And all of a sudden when I got my hands on my father's old records of Bob Dylan and Paul Simon, my mind was blown and I was a guitar taking guitar lessons. And I started 
learning their songs and then curiosity, you know, just like in intellectual pursuits, you should get down to first principles and you go, well, how did these guys come up with this stuff? Started looking at their influences. And for some reason, these guys from before World War II that were living in the deep South, something struck a chord with my soul, my psyche. And I just loved, love their music and feel at home and feel, you know, uh, you know, I feel edified and satisfied listening to their music and I wanted to emulate them and didn't, of course, I, I can never have their, you know, intensity or their, you know, background that goes into it. But I wanted to learn how to play like that and how to sing like that and how to pick songs. So that's been a long term thing. There are several other genres of music I that I'm almost as passionate about. But this old blues and old country blues and ragtime has just always appealed to me. So a song like Shake It and Break It, it's funny. Charlie Patton is a classic like slurrer. You can't hear what he's saying half the time. So all these words, it's not that I had to change his words. I basically had to add on to it a lot and, and add lyrics. And, you know, a lot of these things that are not for kids originally, that are real, they're not, not that there's any explicit swear words in it. It's just that they're, if you really analyze the lyrics, it gets a little weird and, and um, inappropriate maybe, or double entendre. So basically what I do in blues songs is I don't take this, I try not to take the soul or the spirit away. I try to just get rid of the double entendre. So shake it and break it. I don't know what he's talking about, but in my song, he's, he's talking about some kind of, and I even say the narrator, me, in, in the song says, this is about some kind of jelly, jelly donut, I guess, because he says, my jelly, my roll. You know, and, and so I say all these things that you could do with a jelly donut, which some of them are not even literal, you know? And, and what I also do that bugs me myself is I make these complex lyrical things that I, it takes forever to memorize. So I have my record release show this Friday and I don't have the head song, the, this title song memorized. So I have to read it off sheet music. And I, I look at it and I'm daunted going, I'll never memorize this. But I felt the same way about Hong Kong, the first song on, on yeah, Tripping Around the yes, Pit. And I yeah. have, I've committed that to memory. So if I can oh, commit nice. that to memory, I could do that. Uh -huh. So yeah, I just added a million lyrics and it's the same exact tune as Charlie Patton's and the same, well, I don't know if it's the same spirit, but it's uh, it's a, it's certainly a take on it. Mm -hmm. Now, a song like Candyman Blues that opens the record, that's a Mississippi John Hurt song. So you hear the gentle, complex, ragtime syncopation in the finger picking. Now, John, Mississippi John Hurt's song, Candyman Blues, is one of the weirdest, most inappropriate songs. Again, no explicit curses or swear words, but what it's about. So a lot of times to make a song family appropriate and, and actually have nothing weird about it is you just literalize it. So my song is actually about candy, yeah. whereas his song is not about candy. It's a, it's a <laughs> metaphor. <laughs> Same thing when I covered Maroon 5's Sugar. Their song Sugar is not about sugar. Mine is about the actual sugar <laughs> that is in candy. You know, so, and, and if you know the original, it, main, it, it, it retains all of that. Uh -huh. it retain, so you could laugh at it if you know the song, but if you're a kid, it's totally fine to listen to. So that song, Candyman Blues, Mississippi John Hurt, that's the second one. Uh, what other one would, what, what's another favorite of mine? Um, let's see. Um, yeah, this, I do swinging on a star. That's not really a blues song, but I made it into one. Mm -hmm. Oh, this song, uh, roll and tumble blues. Sure. Yeah. It's interesting that the first, you know, I heard slide guitar and slide blues, and then I'm not really a slide player, but I learned how to play this one song, Robert Johnson's song. If I had possession over judgment day. 
Mm-hmm. And for years, I was going to change it to if I had possession over Valentine's Day about a kid like wanting to like, <laughs> eat all the Valentine's Day candy. But then I heard, uh, you know, and Robert Johnson, and then I heard an earlier version. I heard Hambone Willie Newburn do Roll and Tumble Blues, which was 10 years before Robert Johnson. And I said, whoa, Robert Johnson stole this song, you know, and I was, what? It's the exact song, except different lyrics. So for me, <laughs> this, is, this is not really a business decision, although it turned out to be it, Robert Johnson's you'd have to license it's still under copyright but Hambo and Willie Newburn's song Rolling Tumble Blues is in the public domain oh, so interesting. Like, oh I'll just do I'll just do that one instead of so I, I made up a different song based on you know it's still the same kind of music almost mm-hmm. and there's a lot of instances in that back then it was kind of a free-for-all you had like you know it hurts me too sitting on top of the world those I knew sitting on top sitting on top of the world first then I heard it hurts me too. And I'm like, wait, these are almost the same exact song. And I just combined the two into one song. And, you know, it's a, it, you, in the liner notes of my record, you find out the, you know, the history of these songs and what they're based on. And some of it's pretty fun mm-hmm. guys stealing from themselves and making new titles and, you know, all that. So yeah. Yeah. certainly enjoyable adapting these things. Yeah, and, and I think that, you know, another thing to, to highlight again, which you mentioned, is that this this is from a production standpoint this record is very different too because there's no drums there's no bass there's no rhythm section as you said it's like you can really it's crystal clear you hear the guitar you hear the vocals and and you're and you really have put a lot of thought into how you're presenting this music so um this is just fascinating stuff and and i think we could talk the blues all day um (laughs) <laughs> so if you were to give the, you know, on one foot, and I know this is not fair, but the top three Delta slash ragtime slash, you know, country blues folks that people should check out on your recommendation, who would they be? I'm I'm going to leave out the big famous names we already talked about because those are already out there now. Mm-hmm. But well, maybe I mentioned these guys already, but clearly my top guys are blind boy fuller mm-hmm. blind blake and mance lipscomb from texas okay. those three those three you can't go wrong with this beautiful guitar playing syncopated country blues and piedmont ragtime guy awesome. amazing awesome well that was uh i asked that question for a friend who also is me so thank you for doing that <laughs> um, <laughs> um so randy the the record's awesome it sounds great how can we uh how can we keep up with you and make sure that we know everything that we need to know in case you're yeah. coming to town or I, things like that i try to keep my website up to date uh information wise sometimes someone will write me and say hey i found this on my on your website is this true and i'm like oh that's from five years ago I didn't fix that. <laughs> but i i tried to do i updated it recently so it's randykaplan.com and you could sign up for my mailing list there which is an email thing that goes out once in a while sometimes only once every few months sometimes three times in a month if i'm busy and you know i'll have all the usual things like facebook and twitter and instagram and Bandcamp. you could sign up to all those there nice yeah. Nice. Well, um, thank you again for, for taking the time. It's great to hear uh, hear all about this record. It's a great record, and I love that you, you put your stamp on some of these classic things, and we should all know about it. So thank you for being a link in this chain. Man, how was that for Thanks, for Mike. Deep, I, I appreciate deep... it, and, and I approve of that uh, wording. <laughs> link in the chain. <laughs> all, right. all right. Take care. And that's going to do it. Thanks to Lucky Diaz. Thanks to Randy Kaplan. It was so great to catch up with these folks who keep 
making music for families. Keep doing things that are authentic to them. Keep doing things that are meaningful to them. So, you know, check out all the past episodes at goodstuffpod.com. You can email me, mike at goodstuffpod.com. Would love to hear from you. And now before we get out of here for good, here is Shake It, Don't Break It, the full song from Randy Kaplan's brand new album, Shake It, Don't Break It. Talk to you very soon. This is a song about a kind of fancy donut, I guess. First sung by Charlie Patton. He is the father of the Delta Blues. Shake it, you can break it, you can hang it on the wall, you could throw it out the window, catch it before it falls. You can shake it, you can break it, you can hang it on the wall, you could throw it out the window, catch it before it falls. My jelly, my roll, sweet mama, don't you let it fall. My jelly, my roll, sweet mama, don't you let it fall. You could bake it, you could twist it, you could give it, you could grab it, you could load it, you could list it, you could bend it, you could nab it, you could mince it, you could chop it, you could send it, you could slide it, you can start it, you can stop it, you can zip it, you can hide it, my jelly, my roll, sweet mama, don't you let it fall, my jelly, my roll, sweet mama, don't you let it fall, oh, I got a jelly roll so fine, the best in this town, and I never leave it far behind I don't set it down my jelly my roll sweet mama don't you let it fall my jelly my roll sweet mama don't you let it fall you could snake it you could cook it you could take it you could book it you can ride it you can read it you could bite it you can bleed it you can heat it you can cool it you could beat it you could fool it you could share it you could like it you can tweet it you can mic it you can post it you can toast it you can guess it you can host it you can blend it you could end it you could rip it you can roast it Mama, don't you let it fall. My jelly, my roll. Sweet mama, don't you let it fall. Throw it a window, I'll get it to fall. Say it, you could snap it, you could dance it, you could chant it, you could pop it, you could lance it, you could pluck it, you could bow it, you could reap it, you could sew it, you could trim it, you can cut it, you can mine it, you can mow it, you could slip it, you could slide it, you could zip it, you can hide it, you could bend it, you could break it, you could blend it, you could make it, I'll stir it, mince it, ring it, rinse it, pick it, strum it, drum it, bum it, tick it, you could tap it, you could keep it in your locket, you could glue it, you could tack it, you could zip it in your jacket, I'll chew it, slurp it, belch it, burp it, sneeze it, cough it, don it. Off it, you could bunt it, you can bat it, you could pet it, you could pat it, you could plant it, you could dig it, you I could wear it. it as a wig. It makes you happy, makes you glad, makes you goofy. Just a tad, and if you're feeling kind of blue, I got a jelly roll for you, my jelly, my roll. Sweet mama, don't you let it fall, my jelly, my roll. Sweet mama, don't you let it fall.
stuff.